Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and with me is Derek Lodars from FireLogic.net out of Chicago, Illinois. Welcome, Derek. Hey! (laughs) We're back again, Derek, for show number three. Back for another round. <laughs> Today's show is Migration and Support Concepts. And Derek has been so gracious to create a super huge long list of topics today. So hopefully our listeners will be able to keep up and learn. And Derek, do you want to start with, uh, what was that, what were we going to say? It was called Snags and Issues or something. <laughs> what, Some today, fun. Today's show? Yeah, we had uh, the the start of the show uh, before we get talking about the concepts is our little snags. Migration migraines, I think you were calling it. Oh, my God. We're not ready for that. I th- To the listeners out there, last week I had the migration migraine or what I'd like to call migration gone wild. That actually has a better ring to it. The uh, I've done probably about 150 migrations, and last week's one is the one that broke 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 me and it's actually made me rethink how I do all my migrations my pricing everything I do is going to get restructured so basically the book I wrote the old one Derek the mm-hmm. call that girl's guide to exchange migrations yeah, yeah. might have a second edition let's put it that way well probably necessary at this point right <laughs> my gosh <laughs> migration it was, was an eye-opener for you it sounds like. it was eight people with all different issues I've never dealt with and um, yes, we will cover it in another show at some point, um, probably hopefully four or five, mm-hmm. but it was such a, it was a, it was a deal breaker for me that I'm doing it. I need to adapt and change to what's going on out there with our technology. And with so many things that can go on, you have to be prepared. And that's, and that's how it goes, Lisa, right? I mean, you go through the process that you use for your migration and you're going to be given out free time and free labor and that so i think that's there's always a point where you say you know what i have to change this way of, of what i'm doing or this of what i'm doing and, and it sounds like you had that kind of epiphany yeah and i think the biggest problem for me is to tell a client it moving ahead that why i raise my prices when they don't even know the old price mm-hmm. but how do you still get the sale after you know you've raised your rate so high and you have to feel confident about it sure and I've only grown with my business when I start raising my prices. So at this point, I'm, um, I'll just make the announcement. I'm doubling my prices. Yep. And there's a lot of reasons why, and we'll cover that later. But mm-hmm. it's because of all the tech snags that it's hard to bill for. Yep. So you just do it all-inclusive. And with the doubling of your rate, you're happy to fix those snags. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the, and the other, and the other uh, side consequences that you're going to weed out a lot of those customers that will give yeah. you that headache, that pain in the rear to begin. Know what let you know let someone else deal with with those kind of that's kind yeah. of same kind of position that i've taken over the last half two years as we've been doing 360 no nothing wrong if you're an expert in the no and then you you get the clients that are going to understand okay you do expert work you're worth that then and we're going to hire you exactly. and i i just realized that almost all of my clients don't even have a problem with what i'm charging mm-hmm. when i tell them how much it's going to be they're like okay <laughs> Let's get started. I'm exactly. like, so if I would have said double the rate, they're the kind of people that have been like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, I just to, I, just to let the listeners uh, know, this is my final week in Florida. I am escaping back to the Midwest right at the end of the winter Making the season. Big move, huh? <laughs> I, I just hope I get one snowstorm because I do miss a good snowstorm uh-huh. and talking like 18 inches. I want something big. Yeah. Just fun because I have a four-wheel drive and I like getting out there and pouncing around in the snow. But uh, this is my final show and then we're going to take a break for a little bit and then we'll get off and do a couple more shows. Derek and I already have lined up just because of the things we want to talk about and we've got a new guest coming on that wants to talk about his first Office 365 migration That's of 20... exciting to hear, hear how it went for... for, for... Yeah. Person's got to say. Well, he's kind of like in between me and you. He's doing 20 people and he's mm-hmm. using all like Active Directory. Mm-hmm. So I don't touch that and that's stuff you do. So this sure. will be kind of a neat show. That's yeah. going to be show number four. We already have that secured. Mm-hmm. So listeners, there will be a show four. Show four is already on the, on the table. So <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> and my migration migraine will probably be in that one or another one because that one is, is just so well, intense. You said that, that could almost take a whole show by, oh, by its own. Oh, my God. So. It is. It was. I, I think it was the one that just every night I was like, "Will it never end?" 
It won't. It just was the vibration that wouldn't end. Yeah, I dealt with one of those about two months ago, half months ago for a uh, for a company in Chicago, and that you know, it's gonna how I felt, you know, just the, ah. the migration from hell, and uh, let it be over. Let's <laughs> let and this the, pass. And the thing is, it's it's never usually the client; it's the technology yeah. that snags me up so yep. dang bad mm -hmm. that I'm like, and it's frustrating because you're dealing with pure strangers; you don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, but we'll talk about that. Well, especially when you're remote, right? Especially when you're remote and you can't, you know, be there in person and see some of the things. Oh, yeah. It's another layer of complex. Well, actually, it's a difference of you are working with clients that already are your clients, so you know their systems. Mine are random people off the internet yeah. calling me to fix their outlook. I mm -hmm. flip them over to Exchange or yeah. they're calling me for Exchange only. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm dealing with. It's tough. And part of that is, again, what we added into our planning concepts mm -hmm. uh, section for yeah. this show in terms of figuring out what's going on right now in that environment. But we'll yeah. get to that in just a little bit under. Well, good. So what other things did you have going on this last week? I think you mentioned earlier that you had a. Um... Yeah, so we're, we're knee deep right now. And the biggest thing that's been taking my attention, we are knee deep in Texas. And um, we are tail end of the project right now. We're just letting my data move for that for email and sharing. Out of the big headaches for this move, Good. So too out of the ordinary. But and there are a lot of you know nail some some nail biting things that come up in these kind of large <laughs> larger moves, as you can imagine, because you know 120 seats and 100 120 users is is quite a bit different than uh, you know oh just a God. few people, uh, especially when you're. That's a little daunting, and you know especially the first few moves that we did that were a large kind of seat count. Uh, you know a little bit now that we've got a process down, just like you have a process now. Once you know what what. You for the most part, as long as you you know have an idea of where you're heading with these moves and can plan them out, tend to roll fairly yeah. smoothly. You know, most of the yeah. time. So. Here's what I loved about when I worked in the corporate world and we had a big uh, migration of sorts. You know, mm -hmm. when people had problems and they're sitting next to each other, they're like, "Yeah, it. They blame it on it." Mm -hmm. Well, when you're doing it like me, oh, I'm gonna call Lisa directly, <laughs> and then I'm dealing with six people who are calling me directly, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> <sighs> it's like I, I just helped you a second ago. Now you have another problem. Yeah. And that's part of the new migration overhaul for mm -hmm. me is how to stop these snags mm -hmm. from happening by having a better checklist and a better everything. And I'm sure you learn every migration. Okay, yeah, there's, next there's, time we're not doing that. Exactly. There's new things that come up. There's those things that say, you know what, we found out the hard way this time and we are not doing it again that way on the next no. move. So, yeah, that, that happens no. all the time. So. Well, we never could stop learning. Technology changes so much. So. Yeah, and especially when you look at it this way. Office 365 is evolving so quickly. Then you have so many different client environments, right, from Pop to IMAP to Google <laughs> Apps to different versions of Exchange to different kind of environments that you could be, you know, brought Oh, exactly. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. Exactly. So. And especially if, if with you guys, yours are all in offices. Mine are like some people are working in other countries mm -hmm. and uh, they don't like reading email. <laughs> Hello. Speeds. Hello. That was one of my migraines. <laughs> Hello. He doesn't read his email and uh -huh. he has one meg up and down. Mm -hmm. Hello. No, that was beautiful. That must have been. Yeah. I'm just now recovering. It's been a week. <laughs> So you need a detox period, Lisa. You I think you need a week detox before you get into. <laughs> you know what moves. though? You know what though? My coup last week, Derek, was this. Mm -hmm. I am now offering as a service remote encryption, mm -hmm. and I don't know how many other people are doing it. I kind of feel like I like. And what do you mean by that? In, in terms of what remote encryption documents or what? What are you? Talking no, the whole about? computer. Oh, the computer. Okay. Yeah. So I know that some MSPs offer this and other, you know, technical folks offer it. But since I'm remote only, I have a client that um, needs encryption for all of her employees because of one of their clients requires it on their computers. Sure. So the first time I helped her, we, um, I, I was so scared to do it. I made mm -hmm. sure somebody was on site just in case there was a problem mm -hmm. with the encryption software. But this time... You know, we found a really nice encryption software package that we can set it up remotely. It reboots, we stay connected, and, and we ensure that it's working, and it's a managed service. Mm -hmm. So I can charge more because we can offer more. And uh, I put it right on my website, and if you want to go check it out, at callthatgirl.biz in my business services. Interesting. Encryption, uh, computer and laptop encryption, all done remotely. And I have a ton of traveling uh, clients, so mm -hmm. I'm going to start offering it to them as they call in. And be like, hey, why don't we encrypt your laptop? Because what if something happens to it? You know? Yeah. It, 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 you know, you lose it. People can see everything. A lot of people don't even have passwords on yeah. their computers. So 
I mean, a smart thief will go and take the hard drive out, but a dumb one will be like, hey, you know, I can get in. Well, anyway, so this is just one of our new services. I'm trying to expand some of the business services to be more matching up to a big MSP, mm -hmm. but on a small MSP level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make it work, Derek. It's, it's, I'm learning as I go. Learn as you go. That's gotta do. <clears throat> yeah. So that was my big coup last week was I finally launched that service. We did six successful from people around the country mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's a go. Very neat. Very neat. Well, I know. Interesting that you bring up encryption because that was actually one of our first sub points <laughs> on, on our other upsells uh, little area there that we Let's went to discuss get rolling. just briefly. So. Let's get rolling. <laughs> so Lisa was talking about encryption and now, and now what you were talking about again was laptop. Yep. Um, the, the aspect that we wanted to briefly mention, try to touch on this, but we ran out of time on last year not need for their Office 365 medical sphere um, where HIPAA and encryption and now again we need to remember that uh, there's two different realms or ways you can think of any email that is received that's by default the thing okay. that customers men in the medical sphere especially that need the end-to-end -end encryption so encryption in transit and but most email services the pop shops the pop email they encryption for email that is being sent okay. and this is something that you can get package that has it by default is has that by default or you can Azure rights management ARM uh, as an add-on to almost any of the other email service levels standard exchange online plan one whether it's the uh, small business package from 365 or even add-on Azure rights management on a person then turn on that capability where users and very important in the medical sphere, we have this as part of our company internally, so we just use that when we send out our W299s to some of our workers. Again, medical offices need this for any kind of Not that difficult to set up. There are a few PowerShell things you have to run through. I'm paying. You can add on any more users you want to into 360. Back on that license level, and you can give Oh, my gosh. And for people that are, like, at my level, what's interesting is the more you get to see Office 365 on the, my communities I go to mm -hmm. and the LinkedIn groups, yep. this Azure or Azure or whatever yep. is highly talked about. And remember that MSPs like Derek have mm -hmm. to deal with this stuff. At my level, not mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. So I don't really put the time in to learn that product, the ARM and yep. now the encryption stuff, because my clients are generally just day-to-day average people that maybe need now when you talk about encryption you know i have other sources that do that mm -hmm. for me i don't mm -hmm. deal with that end to end sure yeah app river does mine and all this sure. other stuff, sure so. yeah and again if you're using a third-party yeah. provider yeah. like that a a, a value-added um a third party like then yes they could they can yes. go ahead and add that extra service for you uh, but again since we deal with larger customers and they don't want to yeah. deal with a third-party provider they want to deal just with us and microsoft you know they ask us hey go ahead let's get encryption going as part of azure um, and it works you know it works pretty well it's fairly cheap but again it's just a matter of you know do you have the time to learn how to go ahead and turn that on or do you just going <laughs> to ask are you just going to ask app river or someone else to just go it is something yeah. that you need to think of and be mindful of especially if you're dealing with entities like in the healthcare sphere where they are required to have this if they're using email these days. And I suppose, distinction you have to make. I suppose dentist offices would be included. Dentist offices, uh, uh, anyone dealing with uh, uh, chiropractic offices, uh, anyone in that's considered in the medical sphere, vendors in the medical sphere, medical company that is provides oxygen tanks for the medical industry are required to have email encryption as well. Not just the medical offices these days. Wow, interesting. And then we'll just say veterinary clinics are next. Veterinary clinics probably will be next. For dog HIPAA violations. Compliance, rather. All right, now the next topic is archiving. And I have just recently dealt with a client that needed archiving done. Now, you have a lot more to say about this probably than I do, but the I don't get a lot of clients that need archiving, like for financial reasons or for... For, for, I don't even know the word of it, audits and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, my client came to me with another company that already was going to do the archiving and I just needed to do the migration. Mm -hmm. So I am out of the whole thing. The company did all the work. I had to do the migration and, you know, that's, it's still out of my, my ballpark, really. I don't mm -hmm. do a lot of archiving work and App River would do it if I, I don't know if they actually do it, but um, they have a source too. 
They probably do offer it, or they probably just piggyback off Microsoft's solution. Yeah. Uh, and again, I just want to mention just briefly on archiving. No, we're not going to spend much time on it, but archiving, again, there are entities that, that, that sometimes do need archiving put into place. A lot of time it's a seven-year rule uh, where they follow the you know IRS rules um, for how long data needs to be stored for cases in case of any lawsuits that may happen, things like that. Um, and again, there are two aspects to archiving which you get when you purchase. Uh, from my perspective, the archiving piece for 365, um, whether or not that comes with the E3 plan that you get, comes out of the box with that, or you can purchase it again a la carte, this concept of mm -hmm. a la carte-ing your services with 365. You should, everyone should realize that you can purchase any of these pieces on their own these days. And archiving, once you have that license piece uh, enabled on your user accounts, uh, you have the option of either using, uh, you can do an and or uh, scenario on this, so you can go ahead and either just turn on legal archiving, what's called in place hold on 365, which pretty much if someone deletes something out of their mailbox or a calendar item or a contact record, um, you can still go back as an admin and pull those items in uh, and okay. find them so no one can maliciously get rid of things behind you know an administrator's back or a company's back. <laughs> so that's one aspect, and that's you, you know, mean fairly important. You mean deleting the deleted box is no longer valid? <laughs> well, yeah, well, deleting it to the end user. User side, yes, so them it looks like it's deleted, but if in place hold is turned on, there is a back, you know, a sort of a parachute or, or a safety net that gets turned on, and those items are still going to get held and held and yeah. stored, even though to the user they think they fully deleted. Again, that's for, for you know, legal purposes, for being able to present data or information in the case of, you know, you're brought to court and you got to provide that, you know. Yeah. For, for a legal case. Uh, and the other piece of archiving is what's called in-place archive. It's a new feature on Office 365 and the newest version of Exchange where in, you, you probably have dealt with people that have archive PSTs, quote unquote. Right, Lisa? That no. they keep on their computer? I deal with it all the time. I can't, I, it's hard to imagine you haven't seen people that do this. But um, at least well, for those that we deal with, when they make archive PSTs, so they always used to keep them on their computer. Now Microsoft allows you to make an archive PSTs of sorts that you can store in the cloud on your 365 account. So you can have a primary 50 gigs for your primary inbox, and then you can have an unlimited archive where you can keep anything else that goes above that 50 gig limit if you want to. Well, I'm going to look that up for, I'm, I'm just, excuse me, I'm putting in some of my personal notes sure, that, sure. you know, it's always good to upsell your own clients. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot through the Office 365 that they keep adding on things. So mm -hmm. I just as a side note, I'm going, hey, maybe next week while I'm on travel, I'm going to go send all my exchange clients a little email saying, do you need archiving, encryption, HIPAA, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I can add on some stuff from AppRiver and let them do it, and I support it. It's usually an easy sell. It's yeah. an easy sell, and again, it doesn't require yeah. much more work. Archiving piece only takes a few clicks to turn on. Encryption is you know, a little bit more yeah. effort, but again, very simple things that once they're on 365, you have these options that you can turn on very, very yeah. easily. So. Well, I think one of the upsells that, um, well, it's not really an upsell. It's just a sales pitch I have is I say to people that you have 15 days mm -hmm. when you delete something to go get it from the recover, deleted, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I just found out, which I thought was true, that they said you have up to 30 days to restore a full mailbox. And now I just found out that's not true. Mm. So now I'm kind of like concerned because a lot of my clients don't do auto archiving. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, I don't mm -hmm. like it. A lot of times people have an auto archive and they start using that folder for stuff and they get confused. So I yeah. just teach them how to archive themselves. Mm-hmm. I've I've had to fix a lot of bad auto archives, mm -hmm. so it's it's and, and, and this doesn't necessarily have to be auto. You know, it, you can do it auto, or you can put rules in a place in terms yeah. of you know when something gets moved into the archive based on retention rules. But again, you don't yeah. have to. You can just set it where no. a person gets an in-place archive, and it's just another drop spot where they can put things that goes above and beyond yeah. their traditional mailbox route. So you know, yeah, go, it can go that. both ways. It's it's pretty interesting. Interesting. I'm gonna look into that for my own notes. Okay, next is Link, E3, E4 licensing for the PBX tie-in, and Derek, I've only helped a handful of people with Link. Uh, what's funny is that the only people that really like it are the ones who have tons of other Microsoft online users, because only a, someone with Microsoft account can use it. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, let's let's keep this in mind that Link now <laughs> Link now ties into Skype, so anyone with Unlink can add any Skype users in. So the whole uh. Skype and Link universes are now tied together, and it's all is only becoming more so tied in as the Link's now going to be called Skype for Business in just about a month or two. So they are pretty much oh. making it where Skype and Skype for Business, which is now Link, are going to be one big happy family. So that big mm. wall, the wall garden, is coming down very very soon. Oh, uh, maybe we could them. do a show uh, with Link and the whiteboard share and the video recording i say let's try it let's try it i mean we use link at our company uh, you know as part of 365 in case we didn't no one caught this before 365 gives you access out of the box to all of the link aspects except for doing uh, uh phone calling and using it as a phone system at our company we have that turned on so we have a third-party yes. provider called call tower that gives us phone service through it's so all my staff um except for our receptionist everyone uses link for their phone calling needs during the day we're on headsets we can call off of our mobile phones have other desk phones sitting around the office. I mean, everyone uses it. We can add in third party, fourth party on phone calls really easily. It's nice. Once you try it, you really don't go back to traditional cell phone or, or desk phone. Especially if you've got a few staff members or your you know formal business as an office. It's it's really neat to try it. Um, and again, this is something that companies are looking to do these days as their PBXs are starting to die. Yeah. Uh, and you can do that with E3 or E4 level licensing, uh, and you can then stack that onto a, uh, onto a service. Are there other providers that do it? We use Call Tower for ourselves. Other clients, they work really, really well for that. It's fully cloud hosted. We need no server. Link as you would get it from 365, just with the extra bells and whistles turned on. That's, you know, something else that you can do. And that's an upsell that we give to our clients that are especially in that position of looking to transition from phone systems. So oh my um, God. That's, that, as, that's as much as I'll say on that. that was... But again, one of the shows, we should try doing it over Link. <laughs> I'll, and I'll show you some of the neat things that we can do on, on that platform. Oh my God, you just totally like blew my mind with all that. Okay, uh, let's... <laughs> Lots to take in. Lots to take in. Well, okay, from a break fix kind of tech I am, I set mm -hmm. it up for people. Uh, when you do the DNS records, you added the link server, and you're like, mm -hmm. done. It works. Yep. Yep. But uh, the most of the, the complications my clients have is they think it's like AOL chat. You can add anybody in there from any email account. I said, no, but it's getting better with the Skype feature. Yeah, my one client loves it because she's got everybody in Skype, so it works for her. It's nice, but, uh, it's especially when you do like, I mean, a lot of people use GoToMeeting or WebEx for their web meetings. I mean, we just use Link. Yeah. I mean, it's got all the same features. It doesn't yeah. cost us any extra per month. Yeah. Uh, it's got the whiteboarding, multiple per chat, all that stuff. So it's it's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah. you know, anyone can take a look at that. Um, so let's oh. move along here, Lisa, um, into oh. share, SharePoint space. Let's or was just, there something let's else? Just, let's just stop real quick for the SharePoint, that what I'm going to now call, I'd like to say it the devil, but we're just going to call it SharePoint <laughs> for now. Okay, so last week, Derek... <laughs> Remember I told you in the first show that I've had a OneDrive shared point, like horrible relationship. Yeah. So I got this call from a guy that said, yes, I, uh, he said, I already want to buy your four hour package. I have so many problems and let's start with oh. OneDrive. Oh, now the list of stuff he had, I knew I couldn't do the rest, but I was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I'm going to tackle it on. Cause mm -hmm. I do know how to do it, but sure. everybody has different problems. And this is what he had. His mm -hmm. problem was. He wanted to share one spreadsheet with two outside of his domain users. Okay. They had their own domain accounts. And he wanted real-time sharing, which would be the co-authoring sure. feature, sure. which I did not think was available in OneDrive, only SharePoint. Uh, I am corrected. You can do it in OneDrive. Yes. Yeah. But the problem is you have to do it in Excel online only. Yep. You yep. cannot you have to use do Office Online to do that because co-authoring yes. co-authoring requires Office 2013 and 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 I believe that has to be from within SharePoint. I don't think that within OneDrive uh, alone. Well, so. after an hour and 15 minutes, we got it working perfectly. We, I, I don't know how I figured it out because mm -hmm. we went back and forth on two computers. He actually he shared the file with me, mm -hmm. and he could see me editing in red, him in green, mm -hmm. and and I was like I felt like a genius for just an hour <laughs> and fifteen minutes. And then said he said you know what I couldn't get something to work, so I had to scrap the project. Mm -hmm. But he goes I'm gonna use it again. So good there. But you know just to let people know is that this this stuff is still very confusing there's mm -hmm. still no training manuals yeah. you know on and trying to help a client when they want 500 gigs put up on OneDrive, shared and co-authored with everybody it's mm -hmm. uh, anyway moving ahead uh my favorite words is that we're going to talk about additional sharepoint space so what does microsoft give you now for standard space so 
in terms of standard storage space, and again, we have to distinguish between what they give you for OneDrive for Business, which is now, I think, unlimited, as they, as they said last. So there's no cap on that um, for all new users. In terms of SharePoint, when we think of you know document libraries and, and having formal company file shares in the cloud, um, that is still under the rule of 10 gigabytes for your whole account, so your whole, your, your, what's called your tenant, and then you get 500 megabytes per licensed user that has SharePoint rights. Okay. Um, so if you have, say, 20 people on SharePoint, you're going to be getting 10 gigs as your base and then another 5 gigs um, you know, in terms of space. Or no, another 10 gigs. I take that back. Another 10 gigs. So you would have yeah. 20 gigs at that point. That's still a lot of data. I mean, my God, that has to be how many spreadsheets and, you know. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. But some companies have a lot of stuff they want to move in. A lot of companies even that are getting rid of whole file servers and just moving it to SharePoint. Customers from my side of the table, and that's where storage space really... Now, do you guys back up SharePoint? <clears throat> um, in terms of SharePoint backup, it's still a little bit tricky <laughs> uh, for us right now because, uh, I don't know, do you have any provider that you're using for SharePoint backup? I don't even have any clients on SharePoint hardly anymore. Okay. I moved them off to other file sharing solutions because uh -huh. SharePoint was not... Remember, it wasn't... This is what I said last show. It yeah. was supposed to be for co-authoring, not mm -hmm. file sharing. It doesn't mm -hmm. synchronize well between mm -hmm. the desktop and the, the SharePoint server. So mm -hmm. my clients don't want that. Mm -hmm. They want something that just syncs. So mm -hmm. I've got other things, and that's on our list too here. But um, I don't know how to back up SharePoint outside if you're on the desktop and you back that up with an online backup. Yeah, program. so you could do it that way. And there's a company There's a company that makes a backup product for Google Apps Suite that they're now making one for the, for the office. Five suite, they're called Spanning Backup, Spanning.com, okay. and they're actually turning on a service that's going to allow for SharePoint backup. That should be going live in the next month or two, I've heard. Uh, so right. until that hits, I don't have any formal big solution. That I can, um, but once that happens, yes, we're going to start probably start offering Spanning to our customers. Yeah, and I think that backing up is going to be serious because, I mean, what if some administrator goes crazy and decides to delete stuff and leave the company? Oopsie. That's true. That's true. I mean, you got your recycle bin. I mean, there's still a recycle bin that you get as part of, you know, the administrative side. It provides you some layer of a, of a safety net. But, yeah, I, c I can see what you're saying. If someone goes in and maliciously deletes the recycle bin as well, then you really got an issue. So. Yeah, that can happen with a disgruntled employee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just whatever. Someone just accidentally going, hey, I think I don't like this folder. <laughs> I'm going to delete it and then delete it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the only thing we really wanted to mention on SharePoint and for the essence of this chat was additional SharePoint space. So if you go over that, you need more space than that. Um, I'm telling my customers that, you know, the same thing Microsoft says, it's it's a flat 20 cents per gig extra per month if you okay. need that extra storage space. So very simple. They can calculate how much they need if they want to. And a lot of times when you say that, they start seeing what they can trim off or what they want to put into SharePoint. Oh, and at 20 Changes the discussion a little bit. <laughs> then they're like, oh, we'll just put it all. Let's, here's, yeah. my, here's the fun part about OneDrive being unlimited is, oh, let's just go put up three terabytes now. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's caps. Yeah. yeah. Can your computer hold it? <laughs> exactly. All righty. Well, our next topic is planning concepts. Determining needs is number one. Oof. This is the yeah. process that is probably a lot of the work itself in the sale. Yeah, so, so this is the part, Lisa, uh, you know, that I presume that you go through as well, a lot of these same steps that we're using. Planning is one of the most important things to us as professionals doing this, you know, compared to some of those that are just going to do this and, and wing a lot of these things. So, yeah. So planning is very important because, as you've seen, getting burned on things that, you know, weren't planned properly. And I've seen the same kind of things as well when, you know, we had holes in our planning process. There are things that can come up that can really bite you in the rear. Um, That's why I created the book called That Girl's Guide to Microsoft Exchange Migrations because that pretty much covered everything I learned at that point in time mm -hmm. on how to do a successful migration without using tools like what you guys use. Mm -hmm. But like I said, the game has changed. I found that I need to do a lot more prep work. Uh, so like in the, in this, uh, excuse me one second, um, in the determining the needs, mm -hmm. what do you start with? And I'll tell you what I do. <laughs> when it comes to needs, you know, this is part of a discussion that I have. And, and usually I do this over a phone call, initial planning, of, not a planning phone call per se, but more of a fact finding phone call, if you want to call it. I get on with the prospective customer and what they're using right now mm -hmm. and what, you know, what it is they're looking for. Where are you looking at? Once we get on the platform, what kind of things would you want your staff to be able to do on this product, right? My discussions are not just centered around email. I'm asking customers about calendaring. I'm asking them about, you know, do they 
out what is it, what is everything that they above and beyond just basic email. And again, finding it out up front is a lot better and cleaner than having to have a customer tell you, oh, by the way, I wanted to have link turned on on my account and set up for all my users. Can you mm -hmm. do that? You know, can you do that Sunday night just before we go live on Monday morning? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, didn't have that on the migration checklist, no. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of my calls that come in are basically people having a problem with a third-party application. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, the iCloud's broke. And I said, well, here's your choice. Sure. Um, I could fix it for two hours or I could move you to Exchange if they're mm -hmm. on a domain account. I tell them about Exchange. I said, this is how great it is. You won't ever, I mean, I hardly ever hear from these clients and they're like sold for 300 bucks. <laughs> well, that's usually a one-call person I get. When I get a call for like a bigger mailbox migration, mm -hmm. it's because they usually want to know about Office 365. So sure. it's an inbound call. Sure. And then I tell them, I say, I start off with, okay, so you want exchange for sure. Yep, that's not even a question. I say, do you need file sharing? I don't use the word SharePoint. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, we already have a solution. We're doing Dropbox. We've got a, a share within our own network. And then I say, well, here's what SharePoint does, and here's what you'd use it for. And I, mm -hmm. now that I've got experience with it, I only ask them if they need to co-author documents at the same time, and mm -hmm. no one ever says yes anymore. Mm -hmm. So I just take that out of the equation. Then I ask them if they need to file share. Uh, uh, well, the file sharing covers OneNote, or sorry, OneDrive and mm -hmm. SharePoint, kind of. And then what, Link? And they don't need chat. Mm -hmm team of six mm -hmm. and then it's the office 2013 and I find out if they need new software sure. and a lot of them already have it so I don't sell them like I said in the last show I don't sell them on the full packages I sell mm -hmm. them on exchange only mm -hmm. then they go buy office 2013 they save a ton of money and that's it mm -hmm. so I find out the needs that way I start with one product and go through the list which seems that's the way I've just been doing it mm -hmm. and there's very rarely do I get a company that's like I want everything and Yammer <laughs> well, and again, and again, that comes with the territory of who you're dealing with, right? I mean, I see you know some exactly. of the same things on smaller company side, but when it comes to you know, you talk about people, companies of more than fifty seats. You know, a lot of times, you know, they are costing this out, and especially when they're looking at things uh, on a, a uh, not on a capital expenditure basis, but on more of a month-to-month uh, yeah. -month recurring basis, they like to have those things as a recurring cost. They don't want to purchase you know seventy, eighty, ninety licenses of Office up front. They want to lease that you know at that point because mm -hmm. of their size. So again, it's it's just the dynamic of mm -hmm. who are you dealing with? Who is your customer base? The discussion and the needs are going to change yeah. depending on who it is. It's just the nature well, of the game. And look what we just covered. Archiving, uh, the, excuse me, I'm trying encryption. to encryption. And that's not stuff that I generally ask, yeah. which I think in my migration over uh, overview I do in a couple of weeks here, I mm -hmm. might start asking that because I really haven't thought about that. I'll be... Just be like, hey, here's what you need. Well, okay, those are considered upsells. Well, and I think it's important, again, because if they're talking to other prospective yeah. you know, vendors, not just yourself, and they're mentioning those things and you're not, you're gonna, you might you know, shoot yourself in the foot because they're going to say, well, why, you know, I was looking for you to talk about archiving. I was looking for you to talk about encryption. You didn't mention that. And you know, I'm going to look at provider B instead. You know? So that's, a, exactly. that's something that I've had to deal with <laughs> on my end, which is why I had to clean up the way I'm talking about what they need up front because other people are already doing yeah. up to that same level of speed and that's that's the thing i didn't know about so mm -hmm. i've already learned a ton from you this show <laughs> yeah yeah we're in different lines of work but you know you're right if i get a client that's like here tell me about your services and what you offer mm -hmm. if i say well i offer encryption archiving you know hipaa compliance and blah 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 also i wanted to add in here i was going to mention this earlier is the determining the needs of the client is i actually have a six uh, kind of a six-point checklist of things after my over overview I do is mm -hmm. the pre-migration Outlook tune-up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to offer that. That is a need. A lot of people have old Outlook. So even if they have um, 2013, one person might have Outlook 2003. Yeah. They got to miss yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Then, Finding out what versions of Outlook are in use. And, 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 oh, and yeah. as, as a rule of thumb, I don't allow anyone on, on anything older than – I try to say Outlook 2010. Outlook 2010, I like to see at least that level. I mean, 2007 is still supported, but Microsoft's going to cut support on that as soon as, you know, as soon as yeah. the product. So it's just around the corner, and I'm saying pretty much 2010 and above is really what you should be on. Well, I'm working on a migration of all things. Uh, this guy named Brian that is a big Podnuts listener mm -hmm. called me and said, Lisa, I have 17 people at my firm mm -hmm. that need a migration. Will you help me? I want to do it, though. 
So basically, he hired me to be a consult, uh, cons a consultant for him. And train the trainer. And guess what? Everybody's on Outlook 2003, and oh everybody has Gmail. And not only does everybody have Gmail. That's a painful one. Uh, that's why this is this is why I'm going to conquer this before the migration. Is we've already downloaded the email to Outlook because mm -hmm. you have to do that to export it out to sure. import it back in, sure. right? Well, well, there's a few snags. There's 12 to 15 gigs of email. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of email. That is. And that's not just one user. There's a lot of users because they've been relying on the browser so long that mm -hmm. they don't get problems because the browser doesn't slow down. Yeah. So yeah, so that's already part of the migration checklist is do they need Outlook tune-up? Yes. The migration checklist itself, the exchange training that mm -hmm. clients need after if they're mm -hmm. not on exchange, then aftercare, which is the fine-tuning, which some people call in three weeks later yeah. saying, oh, this doesn't work since the migration, then a prepaid ticket for support, and then finally, um, email management help. If mm -hmm. people haven't been on Outlook, they've been Gmail browser-based, they need learn how to manage their email. Exactly. And so that's what I was going to say in my upsells earlier, but uh, that's also determining the need. So you are getting the best sale in. I mean, someone might call in for regular migration, but you can sell them on six other things. Exactly. It's so a shoe win at that point, right? Here, I mean, you, you, you yeah. got your foot in the door, and now it's time to you know bring those other things. Exactly. Discussion. So um, it's exactly the same thing that we do. And again, that's where I'm bringing up the things about encryption, archiving, our link for phone service tie-in. I mean, kind of things come up and customers, you know, you'll... I didn't put this on the agenda, Lisa, but doing a demo. A lot of times I'm doing, you know, a demo, a web-based demo with them, a web show them, here's what you can do in co-authoring. Here's archiving, the in-place archive functionality. Here's one on a link service now that we use it as our phone provider. So, when, I mean, it's almost an immediate, you know, yes, put me on board. Let's get this done. <laughs> how, long are your, how long are your demos? Uh, you know, it depends. I don't have any set time that I cap it at, but usually I, I reserve about a half hour to an hour with a prospective customer if they're really serious. But a half hour to an hour, I can put and sell home um, everything that I want to say yeah. and, and show them. So it's, but that's it's, part it's of your, easy. But that's part of your pitch deck, I'm assuming, that you go to get the client. For me, they call in and I do it in eight minutes. There's a big difference. Oh yeah, I can sell a six-person migration in eight minutes. No, no, no problem. Yeah. But again, well, and again, is, the customers you're dealing with, as you said, Lisa, you're dealing with issues that are hitting them on the spot, and they need to make a decision yeah. at that time, right? My customers, especially when you're talking about more than 25 seats, as part of you know technological upgrade plans. Oh yeah. So it's not necessarily well the, where no. the building's burning. It's that <laughs> hey, we're looking to you know change offices right now. We're looking to change email providers, and you know let we're sort of testing the waters. So it's a little bit oh, of yeah. a different mind. You you know, mindset in terms of why they're calling you and the bigger ones that are at that, that given time. So again, it's well, just a, it's a matter of needs. It's a matter of, you know, a different mindset. And so. guess what else? My people don't have IT budgets like yours. Well. Mine have <laughs> corporate credit card and they're yeah. like, how much they look and go, oh, yeah. okay, we put on the card. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a different mindset because mm -hmm. people that have under 10 employees, a lot of times I never even heard the word budget mm -hmm. at all. So that's determining the need. Can they afford our work? <laughs> Can they afford the migration? Yep. Okay, so the next thing on planning concepts is what issues are they having right now? And you brought that up a little bit. Actually, mm -hmm. you touched on that, right? Um, what versions of Outlook are in use right now? Um, yep. Also, tie in the next uh, bullet point that we put on there. Mm -hmm. It's a different situation when you're on Google Apps in the web browser compared to someone's Outlook with a with Pop Service, right? Two different kinds mm -hmm. of scenarios there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Gmail um, apps, anything with Google Apps or Gmail is one of the reasons why I doubled my price, too. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of work. That's when if they're doing it, they should expect that time and labor in. Seat counts is the next thing on the list. Yeah, so seat count, again, is, is a little more important for the larger side of the migration uh, scale. Um, again, since, you know, when it comes to anything, and, you know, we're charging on a per seat basis. So we have a calculation that we run. Yeah. Uh, that brings us a per seat number. And it's a really easy way for the customer. Here's how much it's costing us, and it makes sense. 90 people, and we're paying per person to go yeah. ahead and make the move. So it really it makes sense to the C-level execs that we have to make sense of this for um, because them, you know, they look at it that way when they're budgeting things out. Do you guys ever, easy way. Do you ever go over budget? Um, in terms of what? Putting in more time and labor than we expected? Yeah, and then do you bill? Um, it depends. It's, a, it's on a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, if it's something that was not in our control or an issue that came up as part of we did not expect, yeah, sometimes we do have to. That was a was a short site from our side. 
the now, customer on the hook for that. So, and again, now, you know, when we're doing moves of our size or we're talking, you know, projects that are five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars in size, you know, I've got a little bit of wiggle room where we can. That's built into, you know, the way we quote it out. Yeah. Um, but again, it's case by case basis. What the situation is, what happens, and. And that's why I doubled my price. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so I to... cover all the snags. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Next on the list is licensing mix, which yeah, this is it... not something I deal with. So this is all you, friend. Yeah, yeah, not too much. I'm going to say on licensing mix. It's again something that is more comes up as part of the determining needs section, finding out what they want to be doing with the product online. It's very simple. You know, it's a it's a cut and dry discussion of you know. Uh, how many accounts do we need, and and um, you uh. know, do you need archiving or not? Um, uh. On my side, you know, when I'm talking to customers, again, copies of Office for their users. We're talking about links. Some people getting SharePoint access. So again, licensing mix, and it's the perspective of you know helping the customer save money. This is something that mm -hmm. not all third-party providers like us or yourself out of them. When 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 the customer calls them, they're pretty much trying to upsell them on Office 365 E3. Hey, everyone's got to go on E3 or we're not going to do the migration for you. Yeah. And this is where, you know what, you, you know, bringing the honesty to the table and telling them, well, we can sit down and discuss how we can license out all our card, these pieces and that and give everyone email. Maybe a few contractors will just get kiosk plans. When, when you when they hear you telling them that, you know, they really appreciate that. So licensing yeah. mix is something that's important because, you know, that recurring cost is what that company is going to be paying on a monthly basis for as long as they're on. You know, I feel that's the due diligence from our Give them the lowest monthly recurring cost on the product as possible. Right? Yeah. I mean, Microsoft's got enough money. We might as well cut that licensing down to the least minimum amount. You know. Yeah. And they'll, they'll you know, they'll use it for other services because they're, you know, they got the budget. and Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, shared calendars, contacts, public folders. Well, here's a, a, something I've learned about a small level exchange is very few of my clients need a public mailbox. And when they do, mm -hmm. the first thing I've learned is to say to them, you cannot view p uh, public folders, mailboxes on a, a smartphone. Mm -hmm. So don't be thinking you could share a calendar with the whole team there and everybody's going to be on their iPads flipping through it. You have to create a whole new mailbox to be shared within the team that Very is true. just for that purpose. Now, when people find out it's five bucks a month, they're like, oh, do it. But I've actually had some clients say, it's five extra dollars. I go, well, we cannot <laughs> configure a public folder on a smartphone. It's yeah. just, you can't do it. Now, uh, you know, you can share contacts with other people, and I believe you can see it on the smartphones because you have to add their account or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't do it much. It, it, yeah, it, it, and again, if they're looking to synchronize that to the phone, that's yeah. a whole other discussion that brings into play. Because again, yes, public folders can't be displayed. Shared folders or shared calendars, traditional shared calendars, can't be displayed on phones. So of things that you have to be wary of before advertising that kind of functionality but again a lot of the customers we're dealing with on the enterprise side especially if they're coming from change they already have been using shared calendars they already uh -huh. have been using shared mailboxes i'm pretty much just looking to transplant their functionality between change on premise to yeah. 365 in the cloud so it's a little bit yeah. of an easier discussion you know well we're not we're not magicians you know we can't force software we can't force apple to say add a shared mailbox now calendar yeah. I mean, they don't really give a hoot about that anyway. So most of the time when I'm pitching and planning, I tell people how many uh, people need to share calendars. That's part mm -hmm. of my questionnaire. And if they say, we all do. So I know when I'm doing a migration to add everybody to everybody's calendars is just part of the fine tuning. Take care of it so then they don't have to deal with it and they mm -hmm. won't call in. Uh, contacts, that's rare. I don't see as much as that. But do you have any clients, Derek, that use Profit or Salesforce and stuff like that? Um, I've got some I really don't deal on the CRM side. We've got someone that, that comes in to deal with that side for us. So I don't see that. Um, but yes, yeah. it is in use, especially in the larger end of the, of the yeah. spectrum. I get, I have to share the profit context sometimes. It's a little, it's a little tr mm -hmm. just tricky, but it does mm -hmm. work um, with Exchange. All right, next is going manual or automated? Derek versus Lisa approach. Yeah, so I mean, we had, I guess maybe we could save that. Um, we had a migration decision section that we were going to talk about, Lisa. Maybe that'll be, you know, more uh, yeah. beneficial for that area. I agree. After my migration migraine, we definitely <laughs> need out just, just to deal with that together. Promise us, promise the listeners this. Planning the migration schedule. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, so this is so this so this is again, Lisa. You know, putting the expectation in place of you know what that time frame is going to look. Time frame is going to look like for building out the side of the service. The time frame for when email is going to change over and cut over, and when everyone's going to be up and running on Outlook. And their yeah. 
schedule out for when all these things are going to happen, when it falls into place. Obviously, on the larger enterprise side, you know, the oh, yeah. migration that I'm dealing with this weekend, you know, this was a move that was planned out, you know, three weeks out already in terms of starting the migration early, uh, passes using the migration tool, building out the accounts and doing the dir sync for, for Active Directory. So there's a lot more that wasn't for mm. that. Um, but again, any migration you do, whether it's a one it's a hundred, you know, fifty-person move. You have to have some kind of schedule in place and yeah. one that outlines exactly what that time frame is going to look like. When mail will stop hitting the old system, hit the new system. When smartphones will be set up, when Outlook will be working. Because again, a lot of people don't understand how the world of email works, how MA transitions work. To them, they think, oh, it's just flip, yeah. flip the switch and everything's going to be magical and you know just start working right away. <laughs> well, generally with a manual, I uh, get the call in, I book it. And then I send them my migration form I already have. Mm-hmm. So I get all their information. And at that point, I usually try to schedule it out a week ahead. Because mm-hmm. I know within those next three days, I have to get the account set up, sure. verify the text records, kind of do all the fine-tuning on the admin side so I'm mm-hmm. ready. And then I send out the prep email, which in part of my new migration overview mm-hmm. is this lovely thing called I need a point of contact at the company to work with that's going to help me get communications out mm-hmm. because people just do not read email and I can I can put in there a very one two three easy list mm-hmm. and they will not read it <laughs> I've had people admit yeah I got your email but I didn't read it so in my instructions is a nice awesome how to set up your iPhone with exchange not <laughs> it's a link with pictures yeah what, screenshots there you go you and can watch people, it on your screen as you walk through it people will get my email and after the migration i tell them that, that the minute the that we cut over they can add the new server you can do your phone immediately mm-hmm. and they'll always email me and say how do i set up my phone and i'll be like it was in the email i sent you in the beginning i i didn't read that oh well then go read it <laughs> oh i just am like okay how simple can a one two three checklist be I don't know. Maybe I need to make videos from mm-hmm. now on, Derek, because people just don't read. Well, anyway, so the point is, is that um, the migration schedule for me is uh, the day of the migration. I send another email out just as a reminder, and I do uh, the backup the day before. Mm-hmm. The morning we do the cut, and I tell them your email will stop. I will call you, and I get things rolling. Mm-hmm. With eight people, I can do eight people in an hour to get started, but then mm-hmm. it takes the time to upload yeah. to the server. And if someone has 15 gigs of email, it might take a couple days if yeah, they're on a slow. Choking the connection and uh, you, know, oh. you can do so many people at once on a single internet line, especially when you're talking about DSL or a smaller U-verse line or things like yeah. that. So, yeah, it's, it's painful. And I told this be. company, I said, you're choking the network right now with all this upgrading. So just mm-hmm. it should be done by tomorrow morning because once everybody leaves at 5, it'll have more relief. Mm-hmm. And some people have had to wait two full days. And I'm like, well, it's not my yeah. fault that you're an email hoarder. <laughs> it's, and that's in the checklist of the overviews. Can you ask them how much email do you have? Well, they don't know. So then do I create a little thing to f- have them find out so I know? Mm-hmm. You just can't tell on some of these things. So mm-hmm. manual or automated, nothing goes perfect. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. Especially in terms of how much email they have. On my side, I'm always asking the admins for the larger companies that we are. How much, how big is your exchange database store? You know, how much email do we have to move over between services? Mm-hmm. That will determine, based upon also the connection that they have, how much time that's going to take. And that's why some of the enterprise moves we're doing, we're pre-staging those passes on, you know, any email older than 30 days or 60 days. That gets migrated, you know, a week or so in advance before the actual, you know, most current data gets moved over. So yeah. that's the way that we juggle, you know, some of those bigger moves for clients large amounts of data and that's so. only data that's on the server that you can talk to that it's doesn't true. include pst it doesn't, files. doesn't include archives it doesn't no. include any pop accounts so no yeah yeah that's all i manual. have people i have people that when i'm finally done they go yeah i want this pst put on the server okay that's 22 <laughs> gigs okay i say now i'm gonna teach you how to do it let me show you how to do it you can do all the rest on your own or you can just Yes, I'll do that for you for one twenty nine an hour. You can do yeah. it in your spare time, but anyway. Yeah. So then I kind of, with part of my manual, um, just everything I do is the day of the migration is when I get their stuff uh, starting to import into mm-hmm. the server, I tell them they can use the browser or their phone. Mm-hmm. The Outlook will not send or receive during that time. And to just not use Outlook till it says all folders updated, sure. then you're good to go. But then I got fine tuning. That's mm-hmm. when I have to go do my tweaking and stuff. And I tell people it takes about 10 minutes. And uh, I've got a little Outlook tune-up I do now after a migration, mm-hmm. so I can guarantee that that person won't call me back unless it's some weird thing that they had mm-hmm. that I don't know about. 
and that's that's why this takes a lot of time and, and it can be costly to do the mm -hmm. job right and so with uh the plenty of the schedule i tried to do it in a one to two day period my new checklist is going to have me build out for that one to two days based on the amount of migrations i have to do for that uh, company mm -hmm. so if i have four you get me for a full day but derek even after a full day there's going to be the calls after so you really can't bill yourself out a whole day two days for four people it's true no it's true i mean the follow-up the small stuff that trickles in that's the stuff that eats up the time and that's the stuff that you can't predict i mean you have to have that buffer time or you give that customer, hey you know based upon your setup that we're going to have another three hours four hours uh, stuff going on right uh well you know what i think i'm gonna do as part of the the new the new migration is if you bill me for four hours or for four migrations, you give me a whole day, I will fine tune everything I can in that one day. But the next day, you have to use my appointment scheduler because I'm back to regular workflow. Mm -hmm. And that was the problem I had with this last migration is I had six people emailing me for three or four days with these tiny snags that really was just stuff out of my control. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have them use my online scheduler. I would try to get to them as soon as possible because I just wanted it over. Mm -hmm. And and this is not the client's fault. This is just technology stuff. Yeah. But I just kept going, come on, just end, you know? Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's one thing I've learned is you get you can get really frustrated with something like that if you don't follow your regular workflow mm -hmm. schedule. Um, and then the next thing on the list is onboard training. Mm -hmm. Now, onboard training... Oh, just one second here. Onboard training, what do you guys do for that? And I'll tell you what I do. Well, um, at the very least, I always do an administrative training after the migration's done. Okay. So the customer can go ahead and manage um, their own, you know, adding new users, changing passwords, all those tasks, you know, that they're going to call mm -hmm. me about, the onesies, twosies. Um, I do a training on that with them. That takes about okay. five minutes. I end in training. And it's optional then if they want to do a U training. So if they want me to go ahead and do a link with how to, you know, some of the new features of Outlook Web App, you know, some specific function that they want to you know, that, that will be a, uh, you know, on a custom, you know, case by case. I add that as part of the migration quote. Yeah. I think that, and that's, you know, really easy upsell for me. Yeah. I charge, you know, flat 125. Plus I record them in, in Camtasia and I upload them to our private uh, YouTube channel so they can go ahead and do that. And they find that really great, you know, offering that, you know, they pretty much say, we'll, yeah. move, you to three, we'll move you to 365 and you're on your own after that. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, so. Well, a little I call bit of extra hand-holding. Or aftercare and training. And for me, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't want, um, I, I charge for exchange training. Sure. And they don't want it. Well. But it's part of You have of to offer it. You have to at least offer it, right? I do offer it, and they don't want to pay for it. So I'm like, well, then just do the basics, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I have to charge for it because with the, well, maybe with my new pricing, I can offer it. I don't know yet. I'm I'm going to redo that here in a week from now. Yeah, you have to test the waters. I mean, at least from how we're doing it, training of that yeah. nature is not included. And, you know, and when it comes to larger companies, what they'll do with us is they'll a live session where, you know, up to 30 then you yeah. know, share us that private link. And, you know, I upcharge for that a little bit extra, but that tends to work out pretty well. Yeah. I can give them the training they want, and they can give the other staff to be able to rewatch. Yeah. They want to so it's the best of both worlds kind of approach for me. yeah i do have a video too i have that i send out on occasion too but mm -hmm. one last question i have that i think we missed here was sure. finally support extended support or ongoing support so do you guys charge because you're they're getting a monthly fee if someone has a mailbox problem do you charge them or is that part of the service um if it's something that happens really soon after the migration, we'll go ahead and, you know, potentially comp it and, you know, do it as part of the original process. Up after the fact, like a month time after, we usually do it on either on a straight hourly basis for okay. them, traditional support, um, or sometimes the customer will opt to come container basis with us just for the Office 360, okay. you know, sort of a managed approach. Hey, for XX number of seats per seat, you know, yeah. you know, well, you can use this for any three. Depends <laughs> on the customer, depends on how comfortable. Not their IT admins internally at the company you know, can uh, you know have the ability to support the product of it. Yeah. Uh, and you know we don't have that many that are doing the ongoing managed uh, approach with three But on the hourly basis, yeah, we get some come and help them move archives up into the cloud. Mm -hmm. it, just, it just depends. It really depends. Well, you know, Derek, you know, I'm I'm not perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so <laughs> when I take a migration call. A lot of times I'm getting it because they say that their current IT company doesn't do it mm -hmm. or their tech doesn't know it well enough. So basically I'm I'm being hired as a consultant to go in and do the job and leave. Sure. The problem I have is that 
when I'm pitching, which I think I'm expensive now, I'm going to be more expensive either, is when I do my full six-piece outline of here's what you need, the Outlook tune-ups and this mm -hmm. and that, and then a support ticket. And I even don't even want to say it's optional. I just kind of want to be like, this is what my clients buy. Mm -hmm. I want them to buy a four-hour support ticket because normally I don't get a lot of calls for an exchange migration issue way after, but people will have an Outlook problem. And when they call in, my rates are high. So I want to be like, hey, if you buy this ticket, it's only going to be this amount versus this amount. I'm just going to start throwing it in the whole proposal mm -hmm. and being like, hey, here's what you need. And this is what my clients buy. And it's this, it is optional, but I, I don't know how to word it. So I don't say optional because then they're going to go, well, I don't want it then. Yeah, it's a it's a delicate discussion to have. It's, yeah. it, it really is. And, you know, and again, that problem comes as part of gauging the customer. You know, you have to gauge whether or not you're, you, you know, you can tell, you know, how messy of a situation you think think this customer is really going to be a pain how you know how, how much time you know where do they stand in terms of how comfortable they are in terms of outlook yeah. and the way that they use email you have to be able to gauge as someone that migrating them and be able to tell you know what i need to require this or you know i think they have the savvy where i don't think i'm going to get those calls and it's fine line yeah. balance it really is well, if their IT guy is technical enough to troubleshoot Outlook, that can be one of my questions. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of the techs that, you know, they can't do the Office 365 and they don't want to be trained on it. So yeah. I could be their administrator with That's that true. paid ticket. That's true. Hey, I'll come in as your as your Exchange or Office 365 administrator for this month. Yeah. It's me just for Exchange issues. So Just for Outlook, just for that. It's like your little side support. And then yeah. your tech doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, closing up planning concepts, anything left in that uh, little uh, topic selection here, Derek? No, that was it. I think that's a pretty good rundown All of right. the things that are entailed with, uh, you know, well, with doing the plans on that. We are kind of at about an hour here, and our next topic could run into 15, 20 minutes. So I'm thinking we should hold off on DNS records till our next show. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. Why don't, is, we, why don't we go ahead and cut? We are going to do another show. We committed to having our guest who's going to be talking about the 20... Uh, migration. He's our guest, so he'll be the, the highlight. But the DNS records is kind of important to talk about. We'll do that prior to our guest talking. And I will talk a little bit about the migration migraine because I'm going to go through my overview of it. And then we'll have our guest after that. Oh, that's a good idea. And we that should also how. probably bring up some of those gotchas, the pains <laughs> and gotchas that I, uh, even on my side I came up with and during the move we're doing right now. Yeah, I got some things I can definitely share. For well, that, good. Uh, It'll be a fun, lively up. show. A fun, lively show. And uh, just wanted to tell the listeners that this is our third of the series of explaining Office 365. You know, Derek and I weren't sure if we were going to commit to a full show ongoing, but we did commit to number four at least. And possibly five, talking about iCloud and Google, <laughs> which is a full show. There's, there's so much to talk about when it comes to 365, Lisa. As you can see, oh it never God. ends. We talk about one thing, another thing comes up, and you know, well, there's, there's the, so much content out there about the, this. The uh, commitment this. for our time is that it comes based between our projects and our work, and I'm moving, and you know, it's it'll happen. Uh, I want to thank all the listeners, though. If you have any questions, you can email me at lisa.callthatgirl.biz. Derek is dw at firelogic.net. Um, you can still catch us on podnuts.com and also coming up here, the office 365 tech show.com. We're going to start putting the shows up there as well and try to, uh, just market a little differently as well with that site and any closing thoughts, Derek? No, that's, uh, that's really about it. I think we've, uh, we've, uh, ex expounded enough for, uh, for one episode. I'm, uh, <laughs> a little <laughs> yeah. mentally, mentally burned, uh, at this yeah. point in terms of all the, con the topics we went over. But again, we have a lot of great stuff I'm already looking at for, uh, for show four. So it should be really we interesting. We do. Just a reminder, folks, you can pick up my eBooks. Uh, I've got five available for $49, including the exchange migrations eBook and my brand new SEO for WordPress book. Uh, at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. And see if I got anything and if, else. And if anyone needs any migration support or Office 365 onboarding support, Lisa, you provide very good support for the small business side of Office 365 moves. And if anyone needs any mid-sized business or enterprise side of the migration support, uh, again, my company, FireLogic, we do that. I'd be more than glad to yeah. uh, assist anyone on, on those kind of needs, especially if you're know, looking to move your company or whether you're going to be assisting with a move for another firm. Uh, again, we can provide yeah. that kind of customized consultative uh, support exactly. as necessary. And so. just keep in mind that I'm a little faster with break fix. Derek needs more time on his calendar because he does bigger projects, but 
Um, we'll fit and, you in. We'll, we'll get fit you in as we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're doing these shows not to just, you know, we want to be helpful to people like that guy, uh, Brian. He's like, hey, I want to do it myself, but I want your help. And I'm like, here, I'll sure. give you a good deal. My normal rates are this, but if you help, I'll only charge you that. And he was like, great. Mm -hmm. Because now he gets to learn it and do it. Exactly. And I, I think that was just a wonderful, when I got that call, I was so happy. And he was like, I heard you on Podnuts. I was like, aw. <laughs> you know, it's like nice that I can help him. And well, We're just trying to help the community out here. You know, there's right. 365 is a big product. And there's not that many experts out there that are, you know, inside of the big, big firms. Uh, so, again, it's, it's, it's something where I, I think that there is definitely a community approach that yeah. uh, comes into play here. So I agree. All right, Derek. Well, thanks for being on the show again, and I look forward to talking to you in a few weeks when we can breathe a little bit. And uh, I'll, I'll be in cold snow. You'll be moved. You'll be back yeah. in my kind of uh, weather, the uh, 40, 45 degree weather. Well, uh, actually, in the US. I have one final note. Good Lord, I can't believe I forgot this. So I'm thinking, Derek, this is news for you that sure. I'm going to do a booth at CompTIA in Chicago in August. Oh wow! Not a hundred percent on the booth. I got to do some brainstorming here. Uh -huh. But definitely, What's the show? What, what expo are they having? It's the CompTIA Channel Channel Con. Oh, okay, interesting. Which My I neck think, of the woods. Well, there's I know a lot of people in Chicago, so I'm like, let's try to do a tech meetup at least one night while I'm there. Where that we would be neat. together. I know yeah. pa I know Paco's from Chicago. And uh -huh. he's, he's been on my show before, and I just got to think about it. But I know there's a lot of other Chicago techs, and I think because it's a Midwest conference, more people from the East Coast would come because it's not so far. It's only yeah. a two-hour flight or whatever. Yeah, it's not very, so, not very far. So. I really think that we could cheerlead this up and have it a fun little. Maybe tech we could do some up. kind of live. Maybe we could do some kind of live yeah. show like they did for the Mike <laughs> Tech Show, and they went out to uh, Arizona. So yeah, maybe you never know. But I just put the feelers out there to the listeners that uh, Chicago might be fun in August, and it'll be not like Phoenix, 110, like it was last year. Good <laughs> gravy, that was a rough one. <laughs> wow. All right, gang, talk to you next show. And, Derek, thank you for being on the show again. All right, Lisa, always All a right. pleasure. Take talk care. to you later. Bye-bye.